Hey there. Welcome to Coffee with the Docs. We are a holistic lifestyle podcast where we give integrative solutions and bring brilliant experts to help you thrive. Mind, body, and spirit. We are doctors Nicole Huffman and Abby Kramer, and we're so happy you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee with the Docs. We are really excited for today's episode. It's our third episode with our dear friend, Dr. Brad Campbell, and I got to chat with him. Um, We've the last, well, this is the third year in a row now that we're doing a update on all things COVID with him because we just really resonate with his data-driven, logical approach. He really, you know, narrows down what the data is saying about the disease should people be concerned, what measures should people be taking, all of those different things, and just comes from a really logical and not like a fear-based place. Yeah, when you guys are trying to make decisions about your family or what your, you know, information you're wanting to use to help utilize those decisions, I think using really good research-based you know, just good data. Like that's Mm -hmm. been updated. We're not doing the same thing that we were doing in 2020. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, we appreciate him coming on and sharing all of his knowledge and hope that you guys get a lot from it because we know we did. Yeah. And check out the show notes. He referenced a ton of things in the episode and I've linked to those as well as his past two episodes. If you want to go back and dive deeper into COVID from 2021 and 2020 um, and links to his book. He's got all sorts of like awesome offerings now. So check that out. And our partner for today's episode is Vervita. We're obsessed. I love talking about them basically all the time. Um, They don't have a huge product list, so it's really helpful. You're just using ones that really resonate with you. Um, Speaking of just kind of like more fear and stress and anxiety. One of their most product, um, most popular ones is called Calms, K-A-L-M-Z. And I love using it before bed, but you can also just use it during the day if you feel like you've been having a really stressful day and need to take the edge off. They have great essential oils and all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, especially if like immune health, you know, this episode is obviously what we chat about. They've got a great immune complex. It's basically like a multivitamin for your immune system. Great to take all year round or, you know, during those seasonal times. And they've got an oil blend for the immune system too. So check out their stuff. We use it, use it with our patients and our families on the daily. So our code for that is just coffee. So you can go to their website. We'll link to it below. And you're just going to use the code coffee because it is a professional line. So enjoy their supplements, enjoy the episode, and thanks as always for listening. Thank you. All right, everyone, welcome back to Coffee with the Docs. Today, we're super excited to have on for a third time, the famous Dr. Bradley Campbell. Thanks for having me on again. Thanks. It's always good times. Good friends. Yeah. Um, it's pretty funny if you guys don't know, both myself and Dr. Nicole went to school with Dr. Brad. So we go way back. Way back. Yeah. And 
you were my like role model mentor through school. It was like you and Charlie and Nicole and the whole squad. Well, that's very nice. And now you're an Instagram star. It's the best. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. That's nuts. <laughs> COVID's how that happened, which is a great segue. Yes. To today. But anyway, before we get started, a couple little things. I'd love for you if I don't know how any of our people would not know who you are, but if you could just like introduce yourself quick, who you are, what you do, where you practice. Yep. My name is Dr. Bradley Campbell. I'm a holistic physician, chiropractic internist, and soon to be licensed acupuncturist in Chicago, Illinois area, just north of Chicago, practicing out of Wilmette, Illinois. And I'm working on finishing 10 degrees in natural healthcare. So that's kind of like the summary I give because I'm like diplomates and different yeah. doctorates and other level degrees, um, chiropractic. I think I want to go back and finish naturopathic, but also acupuncture, homeopathy, internal medicine, applied kinesiology, neurology, functional neurology, and stuff like that. So trying to just keep learning because that's my oh, addiction. That's my, that's my toxic addiction. That's your Aquarius vibes. Very true. Stop, won't stop. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love it. And so we ask all of our guests, as you know, the, for the same two questions when we get started. First, because we are coffee with the docs, what is your latest favorite drink of choice? Oh, I have it right here, actually. Oh, fine. I didn't plan this. Um, it's Elements plant-based focus drink that has Ooh. this one's blueberry lemon. They have a whole line and three of their four, I believe, are caffeine-free, yeah. which is nice. It does have natural flavoring, but it has Shazandra, Citicoline, Lion's Mane, cool. blueberry fruit juice, and a little bit of monk fruit. That sounds oh, awesome. Makes me feel like I'm having a cocktail. Yes. Without the booze. You know, I feel like those brands are exploding. I see them all over the place now. Yeah, it's really wild. I literally for um, this was like a gift for my girlfriend Liv, and yeah. for her um, for our one year, I got her like five different types of these because yes. there are so many that we haven't tried now, but they are exploding, and most of them are quite good. They're getting a lot better. They used to taste kind of mm. yeah, yeah. Like, they used to taste like gluten-free bread, just kind of like cardboard or synthetic. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, nice try guys, but didn't quite make it. Yeah. yeah. But now they're actually getting a lot better. It's nice. And it's cool too, because they taste good, but they like have healing qualities. Yeah. It actually helps your focus, helps your brain, helps your adrenals and stress levels. Love it. Okay. Awesome. Second question. What's your most recent biohack? Most recent biohack? Um, I guess I just got sent the prana mat, so maybe it's that. Nice. I still love sunrise with the dogs. That's like my all-time favorite biohack. Yes. Is going in water, grounding with my bare feet on the beach. And um, But I got sent like an acupressure mat. And prana yeah. mat's a little bit more of like the expensive, top-of-the-line acupressure mat. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. If it's not on sale, it's a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. And um, you can get ones for under 100 but. It's been useful. Like I found it's kind of more grounding. It helps sort of deepen meditation or like thought states or creative mm -hmm. states. So mm -hmm. it's been nice to sort of like sit on while I do my morning routine. Yeah. I know a lot of people use it even just for like muscle tension. Yeah. Like, have you tried that? Is it really intense? Um, I don't notice muscle tension if I do have it. So I haven't really... Um, notice it from specifically muscle tension, but I do notice a sense of general overall calm, ease, relaxedness, well-being, looseness after using it. So yeah, 
definitely beneficial for that. I just personally don't have that issue. I notice it's definitely um, more grounding and seems to kind of up your parasympathetics in a similar way to acupuncture, but you don't have to have, it's definitely not as painful. It's maybe like 20% as uncomfortable as acupuncture, but similarly, like once the needle goes in, it's pretty good. Same with yeah. acupressure mat, once you're laying on it for after a minute, it basically melts away and you forget it's there. Right. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Alrighty. So for today's episode, you guys, funny, I like was reaching out to Dr. Brad and was like, uh, I hate COVID. I'm so sick of it, but let's talk about it. <laughs> Definitely. It's like it's sad. Like COVID but- fatigue is real. I'm just like kind of tired of talking about it, but it's definitely still a thing. There are still many COVID fans out there on team yeah. COVID and they are super um, fans, super fans, but I'm like, jokingly. Yes. But for every reason, whether that's a health condition, whether mm-hmm. that's they haven't had COVID yet, whether that's they had COVID and didn't realize they had COVID or they're still yeah. getting, you know, the, waiting for their third booster or waiting to jab their kids so they can see their grandparents, whatever their reasonings are. Um, there's still a lot of people who are really into that whole narrative. Yeah, totally. And if you guys aren't familiar with Dr. Brad's work and like his online presence, you really exploded like a lot due to COVID and just your logical data driven approach. And that's why, you know, we started having you on very early on in the pandemic, you know, over a couple of years ago, just to break down, what do we know? What does the data actually say? What is your real risk? What is really effective measures you can be taking and what like doesn't make sense? So here we are. Here we are still (laughs) talking about (laughs) informed consent because doctors aren't giving it. 3.0. Absolutely not giving it. Yeah, I just did a post about that yesterday. People want to know pros and cons, and that's not what they're getting in most medical appointments. Mm -hmm. Well, let alone, especially, we'll talk more about this with, you know, the injections people are getting. You're not even seeing a doctor. Most people are going to, you know, a CVS, and it's a pharmacist. And, you know, there's like no information given to you, which is really kind of crazy when you think about it. Yeah, unfortunately, that's probably the way medicine is going for quite some time, because we have like over a 20,000 doctor shortage, and it's about to be 50,000. So for most of these like, well checks for kids or whatever, my guess is they're going to start putting that out to like dentists, physician assistants, Walgreens, all the things pretty soon. There's already some states pushing for legislation for that. Crazy. Yeah. So if you haven't, find yourself a good primary care, private practice doc and pediatrician because you're right what if they all fill up and stop taking new patients right that's what i did yeah yeah for sure totally all right so i feel like let's start out just talking about the disease process of covid in general like what's happening now i mean i know both you and i in practice are seeing people of course people are still getting covid right like it's not that it's gone. Um, but what are you seeing? And also what is the data seeing? Like how severe is the disease process now? What are the risks for hospitalization or even death and long haulers and all that? So basically seems like everything is getting better slowly over time, which is mm-hmm. kind of what we would expect. Um, it does unfortunately seem like people who even recently have had a natural infection or can we say the V word, like a juice, getting juice, getting boosted? I think so, but 
don't know. Well, people getting the shot. Um, those people are still able to catch it as well, which was sort of one of the things that was unfortunate because the research never really showed that the shots were meant to stop you from catching it. They were tested yep. and analyzed and the data was all about reducing deaths and reducing symptoms and hospitalizations. Mm-hmm. And so now it's very clear, um, even from the beginning, but now it's sort of in the general public lexicon. Most people know that you can get one, two, three, four shots and still catch um, right. the germ, C-19, right. COVID. Right. I guess we'll say COVID. Right. You can catch COVID. So um, that's pretty clear, but it does seem like overall severity is going down. And that's most likely because with or without a shot, people have some degree of natural immunity. And the shot doesn't seem to fully wipe out natural immunity, which is great. That's really good news. Right. Um, but it does seem to imbalance natural immunity because it's one specific antibody versus the broad spectrum antibody protection that you have against the whole virus. You're getting just the spike protein right. protection from the shot. But um, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people who are catching COVID and they're getting it in February, March, April, and they're getting it again in June already because it seems like there's a new mutation or some new strain that's basically making a lot of people who had natural or synthetic immunity able to still catch it again. Right. Yeah. It does seem as time has gone on. I feel like initially most people were good for the better part of the year. Yep. Now it seems like it's more like seasonally, even you can get it. Yep. It's more, it's almost mutating into like a flu or common cold type thing for most people, but I will still say there's a decent amount of people who are still getting a little bit of the long haulers or just more run down than a typical cold or flu. Like it's lasting a little bit longer. The fevers yeah. last a little bit longer. It seems like almost like a double cold or flu for most people. And then a certain subset of people will have more fatigue, almost like cold flu meets mono. Right. Yeah, totally. And what about kids at this point? I still see them doing pretty well like I've had zero kids ever that have even like complained about having COVID like they get COVID and they think it's a cold or flu they're not more upset than they would be if they had a cold or flu um we've treated hundreds of them and they're doing just fine I mean more more still to date more because COVID got worse in terms of like numbers in 2021 than it was in 2020 so after they released the shots maybe because everyone was more relaxed or for whatever reason Right. There have been more cases and more deaths in the sure. year after they released shots, which is kind of ironic. Um, but and well, and I think like you're saying so many people now, first of all, like kids are in school back in all their activities. People are traveling like, you know, if you're doing more, you're going to be around more germs. So I think that added fuel to the fire and people aren't realizing like, oh, I'm living normal life again. Not like right. in and my yeah. house, never leaving. I know. It's kind of remarkable that we've kept a lot of kids in their homes and a lot of kids away from school and they've been more stressed out. They haven't been able to see half of their friends' faces. They're having more mental health issues. They're having speech delay issues. There's a lot of issues for kids as far as like the response to the pandemic and what the toll it's taken on their health. But there's less kids dying than there was before the pandemic. There are more kids dying of the flu than of COVID. So as far as like children's risk, they're at such a low risk Mm-hmm. From a data standpoint, it makes very little relative or absolute risk reduction sense to give kids a shot for something that they can still right. catch anyways, and that is not dangerous for them. Right. 
it's like giving oh. you a shot for warts. Like warts aren't right. going to kill you. It's a little uncomfortable and you might give it to someone else, but for the most part, you're going to be just fine. Totally. Especially when we have zero long-term data. Well, right. Yeah. And the data we do have now, just recently, like in the last week or two, shows that at least for men at giving sperm to sperm banks, they're getting a 20% reduction that lasts at least for five months in their sperm count and mo production motility as well. So we have no idea what impact this is having, but the mm -hmm. impact we do know from data from mice in Japan what, for years, a year or two ago, was basically showing that the polyethylene glycol or some of the ingredients in the shots lodges in ovaries, uterus, yep. testicles, bone marrow, spleen. And that was like, well, that's logically likely going to impact those organs to yes. some degree, maybe a little, maybe a lot. And now we know, okay, women are having weird periods. There's yep. lots of weird reports of people pre post shot having issues with reproductive health. The good news is for women, a lot of the research on egg count and on fibroids and cysts and tumors is coming out clean. So that's mm -hmm. good. But for men now, we're having the opposite type of research. And whether you get a natural infection with COVID or whether you're getting the shot, they're having these reductions in sperm count and sometimes erectile dysfunction, things like that. But it's lasting longer with the shot than it is from a natural infection, which is uh, not good. Yeah, so interesting. I mean, as soon as I saw that data too, that just came out, I was like, yeah, this is what people in our circle have been saying for a long time since that Japanese study of like, hello, we're seeing the spike protein go straight there. Like that's yeah, it's not good. Probably going to have an effect, you know. And right, it's like there's usual, probably later the actual data comes out. Right, I mean, there's it's true of most pharmaceutical products. People don't realize that a third of pharmaceutical products get pulled off the market, mm -hmm. and all of the top ten pharmaceutical products have been pulled off the market at some point for quality control issues. And yeah. so a lot of the issue is not necessarily that the entire product is super evil, but there's batches of product that get have quality control issues because they're yeah. trying to pump them out super fast at warp or speed. So there have batches that have been recalled where certain towns have had extreme reactions to shots and other towns are doing fairly well, where there's metal contaminants in shots. There's all sorts of issues that we don't even realize what's in there because there's not yeah. money in studying it. They're saying, uh-oh, this whole town is reacting. Let's just pull it off the market. Yep. Um, and most medications have had carcinogens put into them at some point or that because they're get usually produced in China or in other countries where the quality control is not as high. So pharmaceutical products are known and mm -hmm. the companies know that they're going to have to have damage control, but they've realized that they can make so much more money than on profit than what it's going to end up costing them later that they end up releasing products that they yep. know are harmful yep. and they've been sued in court and lost multiple times yep they're but like they the don't even care that's pennies to them right exactly they know they're gonna get sued and are prepared for that and it's yep. whatever right they're kind of like all right that's a 10 percent loss but we want the 90 percent gain so yeah, exactly. keep going. and the problem is, is i was talking to someone who actually like is a business consultant for these big pharma companies and so she's helping the top executives of some of the billion, even trillion dollar industries that are global wide, like mm -hmm. World Economic Forum type things, like manage these companies. And so she's working with these leaders and they don't mean well. They're like very nice, very good people. But yeah. their standpoint is like they're trying to make it better, but they don't realize that the whole system is just built on a bad, flawed yeah. like framework. Yeah. Because if they bump off, if they make, if one person decides to make a decision that's not for profit, 
then they get bumped off the executive board. So it's not like these these executives are horrible people. It's just like they're in a system that has to choose profit over people, right? Or else it's a business. They'll lose. They'll lose their job. Yeah. They'll lose their house. They'll lose yeah. their everything. Like they almost all need to shift to like a non-profit. As long as it's a business, that's how it's going to be, right? I mean, yeah. so there has to be more restrictions to them, or there has to be more um, transparency or more accountability, mm-hmm. or they have to be privately held so that they can right. choose to do what's right versus what's profitable. Right. Totally. Um, Last kind of COVID disease question, uh, transmissible. As a lot of people have heard, you know, disease gets less severe, becomes more transmissible. So how much of an issue is that? Like, should be people be worried? Like I'm going to this big event with a hundred people. And if someone has COVID, is it like lights out for everyone? Um, it's a little bit lights out, but not really. It's still just like a gamble. You really don't yeah. know. Um, you could get it going like to the supermarket, you could get it going to a restaurant, you get it going to a wedding. I think at this point, you've either had your shots or not, you've had plenty of enough time to prepare. Mm -hmm. So for most people, if they haven't accepted risk and just gone back to normal, this is the time. Yeah. Summer when you're getting outside, moving more, getting vitamin D, Um, people are usually less stressed during the summer. It just makes more sense for people to go back to their life now and get a natural infection with or without any previous shot history. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they generally should not be worried if they're elderly, perhaps, um, if they haven't had an infection already. But the thing is, whether you've realized it or not, over half of Americans in all of America have had COVID. And that's just research looking at antibodies, which do wane. So likely, the vast majority, like, it's gotta be way more. I would guess like <clears throat> 70 to 90% or more have had it because yes. 75% of children have had it. And a lot of children have been sequestered at home. Yes. So we have to be similar with adults. Yep. Total. Um, I didn't add this to the list, but I have to talk about it. Testing. Yeah. It's becoming. Do it? Is it still terrible and super inaccurate? So the PCR tests are s- still decent. Um, I'm finding it because they've kind of got the cycle threshold correct at the beginning of the pandemic, PCR tests were wildly inaccurate and oftentimes yep. giving positives when it was just a cold or flu. And they actually listed that on the yep. report. Um, they're like, the FDA says cold or flu could actually test positive. Now they're getting it more narrowed in where they're not under or over predicting it with the PCR tests. So those are picking it up. And I'm seeing a lot of rapid tests being negative, but only the PCR is testing positive. I think it is useful if you're trying to protect a relative or respect someone's boundaries. But as far as um, making medical decisions, you can pretty much go based off of clinical symptoms. So it doesn't make a lot of sense as far as treatment strategies to do that. You can tell if someone's really bad and their oxygen saturation is dropping and they're getting a pneumonia that you x-ray and it looks like COVID pneumonia, you can tell that that's what someone has. Yeah, sure. So basically, if you're going to test PCR is like the only one that makes sense. Pretty much. Yeah. Like the rapids, if you have them, they have some value. They might pick it up. I'm finding like less than half the time it's showing up positive. Maybe even like right. a third or less. And in general, if you're testing at this point, it's likely, I'm assuming, because you really want to know, right? Like maybe you're going to visit your 98 year old grandmother in a nursing home and you have right. to test. 
right? Totally. So God forbid you get a false negative or a false positive. Right. Or, so you're on like a junky rapid test and yeah. you're not. So in that case, you'd get like a rapid PCR test. Yeah. Great. Okay. Let's talk about the jabby jab. Yeah. So let's start with adults. Then we'll go kids. What now that it's been out for much longer, multiple boosters, et cetera, what is the data on efficacy? We kind of already talked about this. We know that the shot does not prevent transmission, which means you likely are still going to get COVID, even if you are fully jabbed. So what does it actually do? And what does the data say on how effective it is at doing the thing they're saying it does? Um, it's just getting less and less effective over time because it's like taking a flu shot from two years prior. Yep. So that's what I tell my patients all the time. Yeah. It's the perfect analogy for people. And they kind of understand that they get it. They're like, oh yeah, I guess it mutates. So like, why would I get an iPhone two when I can get an iPhone 11? Mm-hmm. This doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not going to work yeah. real well. It's still going to do a little bit of work, but it's not going to last very long. Right. Um, so it's really only showing effectiveness for four weeks. This was about a month and a half ago. They were saying it shows effectiveness for four weeks, but it takes two weeks to kick in. So you're only getting a benefit for one or two weeks. Like Dr. Brad, this is what kills me. Why? Okay. If you're choosing to get jabbed fine and that's your choice and that's your right to choose that completely. Why are people doing it in the summer? I do not understand this. Like, why would you not do that in the fall winter when COVID is so much more prevalent? Like if it's, if it doesn't last very long, like I don't understand. And like why this is rolling out for kids right now. Like why wouldn't they do that in the fall? It makes no sense to me. It doesn't make sense. I think they're honestly trying to get people before they stop caring. Yeah. Um, because it is somewhat of a problem. Get as many in people. as you can make as much money as you can while people are freaked out. Right. They're still freaked out if, most likely if they haven't had it they'll get it this summer and um they're not going to be as freaked out in the fall so the profit rates are at they have been dropping they haven't been shipping new um, batches to many states for a long period of time yeah um so it's it's definitely i guess if they knew it now then you can get another booster in the fall right yeah if if you really wanted to sort of like wait and get a booster in the fall but as we know it's like it's kind of like last year's flu shot and most things get most new shots get pulled off the market and replaced and it happens yeah. for about seven to 12 years. So we'll probably just keep seeing that. We're like, Oh, sorry, this one wasn't great. Uh, and they'll just it's gaslight the, they'll gaslight the victims, tell them that it wasn't a problem. And then they'll just like, sorry, um, sucks to suck and just move on. <laughs> like, like there's very little compassion and there's oh, no, yeah. there's no accountability for these companies right now. They um, got a free clean slate passed yep. by the government said like, this yep. is an emergency. We need this. This is an emergency use authorization. And yep. people don't realize if they have been injured, until they're injured, they don't realize that there's no liability at all yep. for these companies, despite the fact that they're serial criminals. Yep. And it's like, okay, okay let's, so- go down, let's go down this rabbit hole yeah. for a minute because I think way too many people are not informed on that whole situation and how like the vaccine courts and all of that actually work. And I think that's a really eye opening. Uh, thing to understand. So first of all, let's talk shot injuries. 
and how that's actually a thing because many people I feel like it's really easy to dismiss that or just think people are crazy until it's like happened to you or someone you know so what is a vaccine injury what does that look like how often is that happening to people it's happening on the daily it's um a little bit like crime in like Chicago or San Francisco like it's kind of funny to laugh about. Everybody knows what's going on, but until you're injured, you don't really care yep. that much. You're like, I'm yep. still going to enjoy Chicago. And then once you've had one or two injuries sometimes, then you're like, I think I'm going to move out. Yeah. Like, yeah. That happened to me. Yeah. I was in San Fran and $25,000 of my stuff got stolen out of my car. It was five laptops, an iPad, camera stuff. And it's like, I literally sent a joke to my friends before I went. And it was a screenshot of like a, of the Golden Gate Bridge pictured from a camera inside someone's car with like a broken window and being like welcome to San Fran and I was like we got the whole San Fran experience uh because it's they've decriminalized it just like they've decriminalized yeah, of course. you know the liability for these companies so yes. the problem is there's hundreds of those reactions or more on a daily basis hundreds of cars getting broken in in San Francisco and people just know that's the case. So the locals actually yeah. just leave their cars unlocked with nothing in it because there's nothing they can do. It's kind of like the general public. They're like, there's nothing we can really do in these vaccine courts. Yeah. What can we really do? Especially with this product, um, the courts are not really helpful. They're meant to provide financial compensation for families that have been medically injured. And they used to be a bit better at that. And they've gotten progressively worse over time. And with these yeah. specific shots that have been given to billions of people, there's yep. been millions of injuries, many yep. times gaslighted because they're told that the vaccine adverse event reporting system is uh, overreaction or, you know, people don't realize it's actually a crime, a legal crime to misreport to that system. So doctors often won't report. Doctors and nurses are yep. incentivized not to report to those systems. But many of them will refuse to. They'll refuse to. And there are still between the US and Europe and other systems, there are still millions of injuries reported from these billions of shots, which means there's probably one in a thousand or more people who are getting injured. And the biggest hot topic debate in this whole literature between pro and anti jab people is that what is the actual reporting rate? Most people agree that it's an under reporting, even the very pro vaccine people are like, this is an under reporting. But they usually say it's between 20 to 40 times underreported. Yeah, there was a Harvard study that I think showed it, like they estimated it's only like 1%. Yeah, 100 times. That's probably like back in the day. Now with COVID, I would guess it would be like 10 to 20. Um, before COVID and or during COVID, they were saying might be like 30 to 40. We're kind right. of like the average. But yeah, I think, um, you know, for like a measles shot or a chicken pox shot, like people just like they don't know they're not educated to report it and doctors aren't reporting it so it's like why would you bother well there was so there was a recent you probably saw the study british medical journal this is like a legit study this isn't just wacko people writing a blog they like reanalyzed all the trials and this was with moderna well and a little bit of pfizer but they said for every 6.4 people moderna kept out of the hospital for covid it inflicted 15.1 serious adverse effects, adverse events. For every 2.3 people Pfizer kept out of the hospital, it inflicted 10.1 serious adverse events. I mean, it makes sense if you're saying like one in a thousand, then you multiply that by 
20 to 100. It's like what people That's don't understand, a, right? So it's like one in 100, and maybe one in 10 people are having a bad reaction. Probably not one in 10, but maybe one in 100 to one in 1,000 yeah. people are having a pretty negative reaction. And that's, and that's reported, right? Yep. And so what happens when these people get injured, you know, and have like long-term negative effects from jabs? And by the way, all of this was happening long before COVID with regular jabs and especially childhood jabs. They go to their doctor. They say, I had this, I had this horrible reaction, blah, blah, blah. I haven't felt the same since whatever. 90% of the time their doctor says, no, that's totally normal. You'll be fine. It'll go away. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe you can convince them to report it to theirs, the adverse event reporting system. If that happens, because vaccine manufacturers do not have liability, you cannot sue them directly. You have to go to the special vaccine courts, which is run by the government, which as you can imagine, like anything run by the government is a dumpster fire. So for a lot of people, like it takes them like 10 years to even get paid out. Wow. And it's like, I mean, you're going to spend as much money in legal fees. So most people just choose not to even pursue it to get the compensation they need. But there's been people that have been like injured for life and need all these extra therapies. And it's just a horrific situation. And they created this loophole in 1986 with the Vaccine Act. Right. Right. And so it's like basically there's barely any recourse for these companies, which is why you're saying, so they just go and make products really fast without the proper study and data because they can get away with it. And I feel like one of the worst parts is that when people are having reactions, their doctors tell them that's what's supposed to happen. Yep. That's, that's, that means it's working. It means it's working. And that's partially true because they're trying to create an immune inflammatory response. And every mm -hmm. vaccine is trying to create an immune inflammatory response. The problem with this one is they're putting the worst, most damaging part of the virus, the spike protein, into the shot and making your either directly into the shot with like Novavax or which is newer or the mRNA and um, Johnson Johnson. They're basically making your body make the spike protein and they thought it would make it for one to two weeks. They're now reasoning it makes it for at least a few months, likely longer. It does decrease in production over time, but you're putting the most damaging part of the virus into the body intentionally. Right to protect yourself, but also that's going to create some problems and some more inflammation and immune system issues than we're used to seeing. So we're seeing a lot of very strange reactions that we've never see, seen with conventional vaccines. So mm -hmm. it's just, it's really tough. And when people are sort of, they're pseudo gaslighted because they're told that, you know, that's normal. It means it's working. And it's just like they're intentionally being both protected and damaged at the same time, which is yeah. why... A lot of times I talk about it like an abusive relationship. It's a toxic relationship where you have this amazing boyfriend or girlfriend who's super loving and like they love bomb you or they just give you all this love and stuff and affection. And then they'll turn around and just like slap you in the face and be like, don't treat me right. like that. And you're like, <laughs> it means it's working. Like, right, right. Maybe you separate for a bit. You come back three months later. Right. You know, have a little fun, realize you, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah you, you get a shot, you have a bad reaction, but you'll probably come back next year because you'll be scared of being alone and afraid and dead without me. That's a great analogy. Yeah. So what's the data say, like, regular shot, like two dose, that efficacy versus the booster? Because I've heard some people say that, like, 
they're like, well, I already started. I might as well do the booster, you know, like, like you need to finish it. You definitely don't need to finish it. No. Yeah. Um, If anything, the booster makes people worse in my personal opinion, it might give you a week or two of benefit like we talked about. Um, But um, I didn't really mention that before when I was talking about the current effectiveness of the shots, that's the current booster and how effective that is, is about four weeks and it takes two weeks to kick in. So you're getting a week or two of benefit for potentially longer risk because what's happening now is people are getting such high tighter antibody levels such high antibody levels to these spike protein only that they're missing the broad spectrum protection Mm -hmm. so it's like the more boosters you get the more likely you are to have some sort of negative reaction um and people don't know but like a lot of the pro vaccine researchers were warning about this before the COVID shots were even released so Paul Offit and some of these people who are um, some of the top three most pro-vaccine legislators, researchers, influencers in the entire country were saying like, look, there could be a risk of antibody-dependent enhancement. And that's what we're seeing now with the boosters is we're seeing super high antibodies to one part, but not the whole thing. And that's creating major havoc in people. And generally, I'm seeing people who are having any sort of vaccines having worse symptomatology than people who never had any. Yep. Are you, do you think at all that this, like, you know, people have been also kind of predicting because we've never really done like a mass vaccination worldwide at this scale ever in history. Do you feel like that contributes to faster mutations, possibly like weirder side effects, you know, like how is that impacting the environment as a whole and like the virus in general? I've um i mean to be honest we probably don't know for sure but i'm gert vandenbosch was one of the ones who was really talking about this for a while and he got you know scolded and reprimanded and canceled or tried to be canceled and all stuff and um all the news articles came out slandering him and stuff like that um but he turns out he was actually right for the most part yeah and um (laughs) go figure and so conspiracy theorists are like 19 for 20 in the last pandemic years yeah and one of those, um, well, there, God, there's so many of them, but one of them was the fact that like, you're just gonna get more mutations that get more contagious and evade yeah. the vaccines. And that's exactly what's been happening. Though the one major one that I called out a lot of the conspiracy theories for was that like, everyone gets like, a shot is gonna be dead in six months or one year yeah, or two totally. years. And I was kind of like, that's a little bit of a hyperbole and not right. likely gonna happen because the body is innately intelligent and super yes. strong and smart. Like. It knows how to adapt to even really weird genetic level um, yep. programming. So, I mean, we can adapt to microwaves affecting our DNA. We can adapt to shots affecting our DNA. Totally. So the body's pretty powerful and resilient. If it can, you can eat McDonald's three times a day, you can get a couple of COVID shots. Like, yep. <laughs> right. We got bigger issues. That's we happening. have bigger yeah. issues than COVID shots. But, you know, a 20% reduction in the sperm is, that's the one I was going to say is like, the conspiracy theorists were right about the depopulation agenda thing yeah. because that's literally depopulating the planet if 20% of people yep. are not able to have kids. Yep. That's not good. Or they're just people getting People don't 20%. understand like actually how scary that is. <clears throat> and, you know, how, is that going to happen to children that are still developing? Is that going to impact their fertility for the rest of their life? It's yep. not good. I mean, we were already in a fertility like crisis before COVID. Did we um, talk about um, diethyl stilbestrol last time? Remember? For it's, sure not. Okay. 
it's super important for people to realize, but there was a synthetic estrogen design as a pharmaceutical design for infertility back in the 60s and 70s that was given to millions of women and it helped them a lot. They were able to get pregnant. The problem was their children and or their grandchildren were infertile. Yep. And it took, once they realized this was happening, it took over seven, I think even 17 years from like when it launched to when it was pulled off the market to be pulled off the market. So people don't realize, even though they know that there's problems, they will not pull it off the market until they're forced to via yep. the courts or via yep. lack of profit. Yep. So we're seeing major red flags of like, hey, this product is potentially causing infertility to some small or large degree. And we should probably talk about it and maybe warn parents about this. And we literally might not know for one or two generations, right? Exactly. Maybe this generation, the adults or the children are okay. Like they're, like you said, maybe there's a small percentage of people that have issues, but maybe it comes out in the subsequent generation. How long before we know that? Right. We're already seeing a 60% reduction in sperm in the last couple of decades. And like another 20% is not going to help. Uh, no, no, not great. I know. It's like oh, my favorite, um, like meme you ever did was the guy, like the cowboy dancing. Yes. I was going <laughs> to repost that with the Can new you study. please repost that? That's yeah. my favorite one. Okay. You guys will know. Follow Dr. Brad. You'll see it. Okay. Let's talk about, because this is very interesting and a recent thing we're seeing, all of these young, supposedly healthy athletes are having tons of issues and or dying. I mean, in the past like week or two, I think I've seen five or six, like past NBA players, soccer players, there is a swimmer that just like during the middle of a race went unconscious. What? is the deal with that. These should be like the healthiest people in the world. It's probably some toxic protein powder. No, <laughs> kidding. They're probably just shooting up some drugs. They're probably like doing steroids. It's nothing some major. Protein I mean, powder laced with lead and arsenic. I mean, yeah. There has been a quadrupling of sudden deaths in athletes from before the shots were released to now. Mm-hmm. Um, that honestly could be partially due to COVID infections, but it's not likely. Um, yeah because most athletes can handle COVID pretty well. And because we know the spike protein is, um, you know, getting produced for months. And when you have a natural infection, it's only probably for like a week or two, that's already eight to who knows how many times more damaging as far as like how long the spike protein is replicating inside of your system. So it's sort of like what happened with um, Justin Bieber and his girlfriend, like his girlfriend had a it's sure. like health is complicated. She had a clot on a long flight and that tends to happen on long flights, but not to young people. Yep. And she was also on birth control, which causes clot. She was also like had the shot. She also had COVID kind of recently. So she was like the perfect storm. So a lot of these athletes are probably the perfect storm of like overtraining, they're taxed, their hearts are enlarged. They're already pushing themselves too hard. They might not have a healthy lifestyle. They're getting natural infections. They're getting shots. And yep. that's just like the last straw that broke the camel's back right and is this mostly from like myocarditis like heart type issues for the most part but a lot of times they don't release the information because they're not doing autopsies on kids they don't really like the families don't often want to do that and if even if they do say it's myocarditis or it was a clot or it was a stroke there's really no knowing what the real cause was yeah right because it is multifactorial Oh, like it's never just one thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about the recent FDA authorization for the jabby jab in children from six months to five years old. My dogs are barking at something. One second. So the jab for the kids, the dogs are upset about, and honestly, I'm pretty upset about yeah. too. Um, because it doesn't really make any sense. Like someone needs to call yes on these companies because the risk benefit ratio is astronomically more risky than any benefit for these kids. It's hundred percent clear. The data is there. Everybody knows it. Even the doctors I talked to know it. The doctors are warning people like some major companies, as you shared recently with our, um, one of our text threads, like they're pulling the shot from like corporations are no longer giving it at certain businesses. I feel like if I was owner yeah. of Walgreens or CVS, like I would do the same thing. I would say like, yeah. we're not going to give you want the care. liability of that. Jeez. Yeah. No, thank you. Or just that on your conscience. If you know, a year or two, five, 10 years from now, it's like, it was the worst thing ever. And now these kids have all these long-term issues. I understand parents that like want to do their part to help end the pandemic. But I think the biggest misconception is that vaccinating everybody's going to end the pandemic. Yep. We haven't really touched on that, but for the like pro vax people, if they're still listening, it's like, they don't realize that the countries that have vaccinated the most have been doing worse or the same or yep. near equivalent. Look at China. The They're just in complete lockdown for months. Yeah. Granted, they've actually been doing better. So I feel like the extreme communistic lockdowns and mandates do work. Well, yeah, if you don't go anywhere. Yeah. But then as soon as you go back out, we saw this. Right. People don't realize that you can't avoid a virus. That there are like trillions of them just surrounding your head like at any day you're mm -hmm. any day you're exposed to more viral particles around your head like within arm's reach than there are stars in the entire galaxy and so people are trying wow. to avoid, like trying to avoid oxygen like good luck yes. or like allergen or dust on a tree or pollen like during yes. the springtime like you're yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. be able you can stay inside but you're still going to get some pollen through the vents or through right. the cracks in your windows it's just impossible and even like in these apartments in China, they were finding that the virus was spreading through the sewer system in the big apartments. So like someone would have COVID, flush their toilet, and it would somehow manage to be found in another toilet, like two floors away. So, that is so wild. And people don't realize like just the masks, though N95s are better, they are effective, but it gives a false sense of security because the level of protection is not great because it limits water droplets. But the some of the viral particles still go right through just like mosquitoes mm -hmm. through a you know metal fence it's still going to pass right. through people will have right. a mask on and smoke and blow the mat like blow out and you can see smoke going through the mask you can see it going above yeah. and below it's mostly aerosolized so we know it's not really water droplet spread it's mostly spread like dust or like pollen right. where it's aerosolized where you can't see it and it's not spitting on someone it's just you're in a room where it's floating around like dust and so the yep. best thing you could do is not wear a mask or if no one ever wore a mask, I've been saying this in the beginning, if nobody wore masks, the people who truly needed to be protected would have been protected because they would have actually stayed out of the room or yep. actually stayed 10, 20 feet away from people or yep. been outdoors. So they would have been much more protected because they're given this false sense of security. Now there are times where masks have protected people. Um, like I have one um, patient who is a grandma where like, um, well, it wasn't the patient, but it was like a family member of a patient. And 
the grandma passed away because like the grandma was wearing a mask and she was talking to someone who had COVID who wasn't wearing a mask for a long period of time. And potentially if the other person had worn a mask or an N95 or something like that, or triple masked, potentially that might've led her to not catch COVID and pass away. So there are times when like that does reduce your risk. But if you were to never even, if those two people, that grandma was to never wear a mask or think that they were effective, she would have just not had that exposure at all. Right. She wouldn't have even had that interaction. Correct. Which would yeah. make your level of effectiveness at a hundred percent. Right. Sure. And isn't it like if you're in indoors in a close space, close contact, other people, the longer time goes, the efficacy wanes. Exactly. Like, okay, if you're in a store for 10 minutes, fine. But if you're like at a relative's house for dinner and game night and you're there for three hours, your mask probably isn't doing a whole lot. Correct. Yeah. The, at that point, it's mostly a placebo. Um, which is yeah. still very effective. Yeah. People don't always want to admit to themselves the power of their own minds. But one, if I tell people if it's like the research says 15 to 30 minutes, if you're with someone indoors for more than 30 minutes, it's not going to really help too much. But over an hour, for sure, you might as well just not wear it. Like you might as well yeah. just say like, I'm going to accept this risk and move forward. Right, for sure. Now back to the jab for children. Can we just talk about, because it like, literally makes zero sense. Why did it get approved unanimously by the FDA? I mean, like, how is it that not one person had like questions or like hesitation? I believe people did have questions, but I mean, I didn't dive too deeply in it because it's too depressing to really like research for me personally. Um, But because when you look at the sperm count or when you really grapple with the understanding of what this could be doing to kids and their reproductive systems or just their overall health or their cardiovascular systems or injecting them with things that are known carcinogens, the polyethylene glycol, wink, wink, like we have to realize that this is not good for them. It might, it's definitely bad. It might give a little bit of benefit, but we're harming these kids. Every shot is harming everybody who gets that shot. Just like every virus Every viral infection harms somebody a little bit. Every shot yeah. harms somebody too. And so people think because they didn't die or because they didn't have a severe reaction, they weren't harmed. But every medication, every synthetic vitamin, every like toxin affects you a little bit. So right. we have to realize like we're approving something that's still have side effects, right? And I don't know why people like for some reason this has gotten like an excuse. I feel like a lot of people understand that with pharmaceutical drugs right? Like you're weighing the risk benefit of taking um, medication to keep your blood pressure lower. But most people understand there's also some side effects from this medicine, right? There's like negatives, but the the positives outweigh the negative. I feel like for some reason that conversation has disappeared with the shots and especially the shots for kids, which is just so weird to me. I think it's just the cognitive distance is way too big. Um, as far as like answering the question with the FDA, I think the FDA and CDC and NIH, they've all been known to be financially having ties to these organizations. Like Ron Paul, I think was the one, one of the Pauls was interviewing Fauci again recently and asking him like, mm-hmm. what are your financial ties to some of these right. pharmaceutical organizations? He's like, I'm not going to answer that because he yeah. has ties. Yeah. And so we have to start to realize like we've been lied to so many times since mm-hmm. the beginning about natural health, about, you know, exercise not being important, about comorbidities not being important, about need to get outside, get sunlight. We even are still lied to 
on a yep. regular basis by doctors because they truly don't know that they're lying, which is well, you're the perfect example. You've posted only legit information and had your account deleted and had all these issues. Right. Like, I'm why? Like, why is that? You right. Know? I was like, here's our pre post COVID vaccine blood research, and this is what we're seeing. That was your downfall. That was the first account deletion. And yep. the second one was about how viruses can actually be not just deadly, but good for people. Yep. And that was the second account deletion. Yep. And they just don't want people having pros and cons. They don't want people being yep. positive or knowing about natural health care. And that was very obvious. And the only real reason you can say that they're doing that is because they don't want people critical thinking for themselves. They want people to follow the plan. They want people to listen yep. to their doctors. They want people to trust the science-based organizations. But the only problem is that these science evidence-based organizations are not really doing a proper evaluation, an unbiased evaluation of the science or in re re like not reporting on the science in a objective way. Yeah. And they have financial ties to a lot of the pharmaceutical industry um, agencies. Yeah. And a lot of these people have worked, the, the head up executives have worked for both the government and the pharmaceutical yep. industry, and they hop back and forth. And people just don't know enough to follow the money to see yeah, where exactly. this is coming from, because it's not something you can easily Google. No. And if people are more fully informed, they might make a different choice, right? Right. And that's less money in their pocketbooks. Right. And the only, you see a little bit of like, they know that that's happening and that the internet for all of its downsides is bringing people truth because it's, yep. It's you can delete my account, but they've even stopped deleting accounts because it, I had the Barbara Streisand effect. Like every time I grew back, they yeah, just, like, so every time they deleted it, the account just like doubled. Yeah. And because people want to know what's being hidden from them because they, now they just slap trust. all the labels on your posts. Yeah. And it's not helpful that we've lost trust in doctors. Like it's really not helpful, even for the natural health community who doesn't, they're like, I won't go to a doctor. I'm like, that's really not helpful because they will probably be able to save your life at least once yeah. in your life. And so you're losing quantity and quality of life because of your lack of trust in medicine. And that's really not great. But we yeah. have to have this like healthy level of distrust while also having love and gratitude for the amazing benefits of natural medicine and sometimes vaccines and western good. medicine and stuff like when you need it right i mean that has been to play devil's advocate a problem especially earlier on in the pandemic people were so afraid that they were going to check in the hospital and never come back out that they like waited too long to get care yeah well you they know? were actually told not to go to the hospital yeah until they couldn't breathe so that wasn't necessarily even their fault that was the hospital system either being overwhelmed or having horrible protocols and yep. Peter McCullough is probably the best person who's broken this down on Joe Rogan and other podcasts is he's really shown like 70% of these deaths could have been prevented if we had actually allowed doctors to follow their brains and their intuition rather than just following a protocol. And listened to the clinicians that were like, Hey, I've done X, Y, Z and had a lot of success instead of just like the three letter organizations, whatever they're putting out. That wasn't right. working. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about what we can do because a lot of this stuff is out of our control. So what can people do um, if they're wanting to prevent COVID infection or severe COVID infection, you know, especially 
I'm sure it'll be more on people's minds in the fall, back to school and all that. And what are some treatments people can do if they are COVID and they're symptomatic? So there's like nothing you can do to prevent it. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, We talked about it. It's like, it's kind of impossible to avoid dust or pollen. It's going to be nearly impossible to avoid it. So the main thing is just um, if you need to test for some reason for traveling or limit exposure to maybe reduce your risk if you're traveling or have some major event, maybe you try to do that. Um, everyone kind of knows what they might need to do to reduce exposure risk by this point. But what to do is basically the same sort of protocols. Um, I could send you one of the ones we have um, that's on our nonprofit website. But basically, it's like taking yeah, vitamin D. Vitamin D is still crucially important. So having your vitamin D being 50 to 80 on blood levels is shown to be very helpful. So a good D3 with K2 is a good balance for that. Um, and then there's, what else? I think the zinc, vitamin C, and quercetin have been shown mm-hmm. time and time again to be very safe for almost all people. And you have to ask your practitioner what's right for you. NAC, but another great one. NAC or glutathione is one of my top favorites too. It's so good. Um, there's a really good kids chewable by standard process that just came out called children's immune. And it has, I tried it. yeah. Do you like it? It's like pretty good. Okay. I mean, you I, know, like the actual good vitamins, like they're not going to taste like candy. Let's be that's honest. True. For, it's definitely I mean, chewable. Yeah. I've gotten so healthy that I'm like, this is great. I love yeah. this. Like <laughs> it's candy beats. It tastes like candy to me. I'm like, ooh, elderberry. Nice. Raspberry. Like, this is awesome. And colostrum. (laughs) I get to have milk. Like, I don't get to normally have milk. This is great. It's my dairy. Yeah, this is my cheat food. Like, But (laughs) the colostrum increases your immune system, which has been shown to help with COVID. So colostrum stuff like orthospore Ig by orthomolecular, that kid's immune by standard process. Even for adults, that's a good little, like, cheat candy. Um, I really like Adrenal Complex still by Mediherb and Standard Process because it has licorice and Romania, which helps balance blood pressure ups and downs, and it is showing anti-SARS-CoV-2 replication, so per prevention or treatment, that's helpful. But we have a whole list, like black cumin seed, virus and biorthromolecular, glutathione, vitamin C, vitamin D, um, bioaminozyme forte or wellness formula, which is biotics form research and source naturals, but we can send you the whole list of stuff. That's great. I'll link to it in the show notes. So you guys can uh, check that out, try some fun things. Um, and if you get COVID and are sick, what are things people can do? Um, I mean, basically all the things I was just saying, like you just up your dose. Yeah, um, exactly. The replicators so Triple up on, you know, all the stuff you've got. Yep. And then whatever symptoms they have, you kind of work with that. If they have fever, you could give them oscillococcinum. That's a mouthful. Oscillococcinum or belladonna homeopathically. You could um, do like a cold foot um, bath. There's a lot of things to do, but you kind of just deal with what they're going with at the time. And then a lot of times when they're in the recovery phase, I'll give them mitocore by orthomolecular, which is a mitochondrial multivitamin that helps with energy. And then I'll give them, um, I've been using a lot of sunflower lecithin lately because it has phosphatidylcholine, inositol, and PEA, and it's very cheap to get. Mm -hmm. It's like $20 from Now Foods, and you can get a decent amount of it to take 10 grams a day, and that helps repair the myelin sheath and the brain. So there's a supplement brain by Host Defense that has lion's mane, like this element focus drink. Um, And But lion's mane, go to cola, it has brain by Host Defense, basically all of the useful brain regrowth factors. Um, And just allowing people 
some time off. Like the most important thing is people just having grace for themselves to give themselves time to recover and not jump back too quickly into work or exercise. Totally. I've seen too really turn people around. Um, like we do it at my office. If you can find somewhere that'll do it is IV therapy. Mm. COVID it'll like so like a Myers cocktail or glutathione so you know Dr. Jason he's at our office a few times a month um so like literally hook people up in like the parking lot in their car on an IV if they're like active COVID we're not gonna have them in the office around you know 30 other people um so I don't know he does all this stuff so he'll do a hydration magnesium he does this thing called like regenolin you'll have to ask him everything he puts in it but he's got his whole thing for COVID peeps and that can be really helpful if you can get somewhere that does IV but even like basic um IV clinics are popping up everywhere and most of them have an immunity one it's like high dose C you know a handful of other things on top of just like saline yeah makes sense it's getting cool. into your bloodstream. It's like the bomb. It's nice. All right. Let's do some rapid fire Q&A because the people have spoken and they want answers. Bradley. Let's do it. Okay. How does COVID make some people so sick and other people barely sick at all? So that depends on your entire overall state of health. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of people's health is like an iceberg. They only look at 10%. So your psychoneuroimmune system is really important. Your past chronic infections, known or unknown, whether it's Lyme disease, mold, or Epstein-Barr virus, that's really important. Your gut health is extremely important. A lot of people have normal poops and normal digestion. They get heartburn, but their gut floor is dysbiotic. Yeah. It's It's off. So... There's so many factors or invisible toxins or infections or imbalances in the body that would all play a role. Like we were saying before, it's definitely multifactorial. Vitamin D status is probably the most important one if you're going to just like isolate one. And whether or not they've had a natural infection, that's really important. Um, Age is still the biggest factor. You know, there is something to a little bit with blood type. There is something with... um, Anxiety, they found anxiety is now the number two comorbidity. So your fear of having the virus greatly impacts whether or not you're going to have a major reaction to it. Yeah. So I think your mental state is probably the most important that's beyond vitamin D. Right. It's like physically and mentally, how were you going into infection is probably going to be a great indicator of how you'll do. Yeah, that's, I see that actually clinically a lot. People are like, I didn't do very well, but I was actually really run down beforehand. Total. Yeah. I mean, the same can be said for the cold and the flu, right? The sinus infection, whatever, right? I just had a horrible sinus thing completely take me out, but I was like totally run down. You know, if I was coming right off vacation or whatever, it probably would have been not a big deal. Totally. Oh, makes sense. Okay. Um, This is probably going to be a similar answer, but someone's asking about jab side effects. So why do some people have zero side effects? Some have like horrible reactions, super severe immediately, and others will be like three months later. They'll start feeling things. Um, a lot of that's how well your body processes cardiovascular damage. And there's genetics that play a role in cardiovascular damage risk. Um, but your overall homocysteine and high sensitivity C reactive protein and other plaque markers and heart pumping stress and higher low blood pressure, that all can play a role. 
but how well your body deals with the spike protein and the inflammation from it is really important. The other thing is if someone has high antibody levels, they're much more likely to have reactions to the shot. So if someone has a recent natural infection or still has really high level antibodies from their previous vaccines to COVID, then one more is just going to be much more likely to cause reaction. They found like people who had a natural infection that got a vaccine were three times more likely to have a negative reaction. So probably that's the most important thing is like, do you have high antibody levels? If you do, don't get another one. Like this isn't like America concept of like more is better, bigger is better. It's like not necessarily true. I'm so glad that came up because that's really important for people to understand. Yeah. Um, okay, another one. Ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, are those still effective treatments being used? Like, should people still search those out if they have COVID? Which was a good question. I was like, I haven't really heard about that in a long time. I think they're still fairly effective, but like anything, it seems like everything is sort of losing some of its potency. And that could be because the vast majority of people are losing the severity of the illness so it's hard to tell what's working or not because the severity has gone down for almost everybody so clinically we can't really tell logically they're likely still helpful and they're best taken in the first few days of infection Mm -hmm. and it's like a lot of people like you're saying if it's less severe just don't need treatments like that anymore yep there's so many patients now they're like i had it but i didn't want to take it because it's still a medicine and i was feeling mostly okay yeah, for sure. If it's like a cold for you, you know, you don't need to go like pharmaceutical. Okay. How cautious should we be around elderly grandparents at this point? Um, well, I guess the main thing is just respecting your elderly's boundaries. Mm-hmm. So whatever their wishes are, just respecting that trying to have some of these conversations to help ask them questions or educate them or say like, when are you going to feel comfortable seeing me in whatever capacity, just respecting their boundaries, I think is the most important, like respect your elders. I think we've lost that in our culture. So that's what I would do. I would see where their state is, whether it's logical or not, I would respect whatever their belief systems are. And maybe you can have a conversation to maybe get them to meet outside or take their mask off at 20 feet apart or whatever they're comfortable with. Um, Right. I would kind of go for that. Right. And I actually, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've found a lot of times it's the other way. It's the younger people that are like acting crazier. I feel like a lot of the older population is like, let's move on. Like, like they're totally I that, saw that a lot with I saw that a lot with patients. They're like, my grandparents are doing whatever and traveling and we're the ones like staying home and trying to like be responsible and not expose them. And they're doing whatever they want. Cause I think with old age, you also have that wisdom of like life is risky and totally. you want to like live life. Yeah. There's something I really want to mention too, before we kind of sign off, which is, or get to the rest of the questions. That's really like for people who were that exact family you were talking about, mm-hmm. they're going through major stages of grief yep. that they lost some level of their humanity or the communication they had with friends or the, Mm -hmm. bonds they've made they couldn't physically touch people like there's so much loss during the pandemic we've seen mental health not just double not triple but quadruple now from 11 percent to 44 percent so we're seeing so much loss and so much suffering and for them to realize that they were lied to or that what they did was not enough and they were told that they could end the pandemic by 
vaccinating everyone they know and they they were told that they could avoid the virus or they could to- they were told so many things that were not true yes that they're going through stages of grief but before they go through the realization of process of admitting that to themselves generally what's happening is those people are just feeling so sad and I'm seeing that they more just need compassion and to be held in that space before they can realize that they sort of messed up in any sort of fashion or trusted the wrong people or were lied to intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah. I mean, totally. It's a super intense thing for like kind of your world to blow up in your face. Like, you know, so I think you're dead on with the compassion piece. Like people like you and I have kind of called this out from the beginning, but we've also been down this path with like the pharmaceutical industry, just naturally as like holistic doctors, we've kind of seen through the BS for a really long time. Right. And we have more training in immunology than most medical doctors. Like we treat infections. They just kind of like have one thing. They'd give like an antibiotic or an antiviral and that's kind of it. Whereas like we have so many more options to help people. So we actually have a better sense of immunology than most I'm medical just doctors kind of do. like you're saying understand the philosophy of like you can't hide from viruses you need to keep yourself healthy and you don't have to be like afraid of getting sick like it's just such a different school of thought than what most people have been fed by the media and the people on tv so it is important I think it's easy to get frustrated but it's like a lot of people are just kind of realizing all of this and that's a really really hard process to go through i know the best question i have for those people is just at what point will you feel comfortable returning to normal and how do you want to get there yeah when how long are you willing to keep doing this and that's really what it is it's like they don't really they want to admit that they've sort of like done harm to themselves or their children or their population their community but they will sort of say like okay i can only take it for another month or like they're like i'm really upset i'm done and yep. I'm ready to switch now, or they're like, I think we're going to slowly switch over the next couple months, but the, it has to be a gradual process because the cognitive and everyone has a different design. point, right? Where they, they have a different feel point. safe, where they'd be ready to, yep. you know, return back. And it's the same thing. Like if you were to actually admit that like masks weren't as effective as you thought, and you really read the research now, because you're maybe not as emotionally charged or you're allowed to do that in your community, You'd have to say like, look, I caused my kid a speech delay or I caused my kid mental health, their mental health to worsen because I isolate them. Accept that. You have to accept that you were doing the best you could. And that's totally okay that you were just trying your best at the time. Yep. Totally. And things change and we get more information and we learn more and then we can do better. You know, I have that conversation with patients all the time, you know, that are like stuck in that angry phase. And I'm like, look, we know more now. We know so much more now. It's understandable that a lot of people did what they did two years ago, but this is not two years ago. The virus is very different, way more mild. There's no reason, no logical reason we should be doing the same things we were even a year ago. It just doesn't make sense. So we can just accept that and move forward, you know? Yeah. All right. Last question. Post COVID fatigue. What can you do? Um, we talked about mitochore, we talked about brain, the brain cell, we talked about um, the sunflower lecithin. So those are like my top three um, to get people to kind of slowly regenerate. Adraset by Metagenics is a good, um, it's got cordyceps and a little rhodiola and ginseng, which is a good upper for people. Um, but um, yeah, you just sort of 
ideally you could see a practitioner who could do biofeedback testing to tell you what your body would do best with. So some form of muscle testing or yeah. um, support you can get the better. So, um, but I think just resting, eating super clean and grounding, getting sunlight or getting red light. Um, so either like red light therapy or sunrise sunset for your melatonin cycles can be really helpful for fatigue. And then just, um, watch the videos that Abby and I put out about fatigue or like read our posts because, um, we're constantly helping people with this and, um, kind of troubleshooting for people. And there's videos that we have up on Instagram TV that talk about this. So just scroll through my or Abby's stuff and search because the answers are out there. All right. To wrap up, how can people learn more from you? Let's talk about your membership, your courses, all the things. Is it open right now? Is it closed? When's it opening? Um, We're just going to leave it open from now on for a while. We might do like, we're going to see how that goes. Um, We might end up closing it and kind of like doing like um, some other memberships do where it's just open for periods of time. But we might do like the free one is open. We're actually going to start making a free version of it where like you can trial it for free. And that's coming in the next month or two. And then next year, we're going to be offering it to people who can't afford it. But right now, it's still at a discounted rate. So right now, it's just 65 bucks a month. They get access to three courses, a big Foundations of Health course, a thyroid course, and a gut dysbiosis course. They also get searchable videos. They get thousands of hours of videos that they can search. whole library is on there, right? Yep. My whole like library of content is on there. So there's a search bar at the top and they can search for whatever topic they want and it'll pull that up. So it's like a huge healthcare library. There's also a social media app. There's also 20% off of our online supplement store. There's other resources on there and there's weekly Q and A's where everybody gets their questions answered. So we only have like three, 400 members right now. So, so far everybody gets their questions answered every week, which is pretty awesome for the new members. Um, We have a live event coming up. I'm super excited about in July for our members with like 30, 40 people downtown Chicago. Um, I also have a book nice. called, oh, the membership is CampbellCareMembership.com. Um, or they can find all these links on my Instagram, which is Dr. Campbell Cares, Dr. Campbell Cares. And um, we'll link to remember. all this for you guys too, in the notes. Yep. And as far as fatigue, I wrote a book on fatigue called Do I Have Adrenal Fatigue? I'm in so, it. Yeah. I know. It's my claim to fame. I made the book. Yeah, right. You're an influencer now too. You have oh. tons of followers. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, your book's great. Do I have adrenal fatigue? So if you guys are also feeling super fatigued post COVID or post anything, um, it's a it great reference. Down. Yep. Yeah, it really breaks it down. I have videos on Instagram. If you scroll through the Instagram TV ones that talk about fatigue. And, um, but this acronym of fed up function access deficiency is critically important to fatigue, which is basically just increasing your body's function with healers, getting rid of excess problems, infections, inflammation, and toxins and bad food, and then just building up those deficiency states, which is what Chinese medicine is best at, which is taking herbs that slowly rebuild trophically to grow your adrenals. So you're really just growing your mitochondria, you're growing your muscles, you're growing your organ systems and their capability over time. Nice. Most medicine really ignores deficiency unless they're like, you have a vitamin B12 deficiency or a thyroid deficiency. So there's like a couple deficiencies they recognize, but they don't recognize system deficiencies. Yes, totally. Now you also have a doctor finder, right? If people are like, I need to find a provider. 
Yep, there's one on my um, story highlights on Instagram. So like the main page has a doc finder and there's a list of um, websites. So there's icakusa.com, there's netmindbody.com for mm. net practitioners for emotional work. There's um, DABCs and acupuncturists, naturopathic docs and functional med docs, which are usually the type of doctors we will try to refer to. It's yeah. hard to find someone like you or me who's studied more than one of those things. But um, there are still amazing things to learn and there's no one way to heal. So if you've tried to heal, you've tried to get better, but you just haven't yet, you either still need to be more patient or you just need to keep putting in more good stuff than bad stuff into your body and your body will generally heal over time. But if you don't know what's going wrong, just do more testing or do more muscle testing and figure out what's still mm -hmm. bothering you and just keep fixing stuff. It's like going to restaurants. If you have a bad restaurant experience, it doesn't mean you stop going out to eat or you stop right. cooking food. You just try new recipes, try new places. Yeah, exactly. Like one, you know, someone, I'm sure you've seen this, responds immediately and so amazing to acupuncture, right? And someone else is like just getting adjusted changes their life. And someone else is like all emotional, Right. So that's what's like life changing when they really process those emotional patterns. So try something else, too. But you, try can, it all. you guys can always reach out to myself, Dr. Nicole. You know, we know people all over the place, too. So I love sending people to good peeps to help them. Yeah. Alrighty, This has been lovely. Thanks, Dr. Brad. Thanks, Abby. That's a great recap. Totally. Too. And we'll talk soon. statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the FDA. Information provided here and products recommended or sold on coffeewiththedocs.com and or our podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by this site and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a face-to-face -face consultation with your physician and should not be construed as medical advice of any sort. By using any of this information or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health and health decisions and expressly release Dr. Nicole Huffman and Dr. Abby Kramer and its partners and guests from any and all liability whatsoever, including that arising from negligence.